Hi, I'm Rachel Monteleone and welcome to Kittypedia, the podcast. I'm not an expert. However, I do speak with them with the view of providing you with expert information and advice to help you be the best parent that you can be. Together, let's give children the life they deserve and a positive future. Hello and welcome. While the start to the 2021 school year was unlike any other our children have ever experienced, as their life experiences of 2020 and just COVID in general meant there was much more than just the contents of their school bags that they were carrying on their shoulders. I don't know about you, but I'm a glass half full kind of gal. That said, I'm also a realist too. So today we're going to take the time to flesh out and really analyze on a broad perspective what the experiences of COVID have meant for our children with a focus on their mental health. To do so, we welcome our special guest, Chanel Neshke, a registered psychologist and psychological health and safety leader at Bupa with almost 10 years of experience working in mental health. Thank you for joining us, Chanel. How are you? I'm good, Rachel. How are you? Yeah, very excited to be talking to you about this topic um, and and just grateful, I think, from the perspective that in this day and age that we are so much more open to having robust discussions about mental health. It's something that um, I think everyone in some way, shape or form has had an experience with um, with mental health, either personally and or through their family. My family itself has had some serious mental health issue, issues and it was always swept into the carpet and it was a faux pas, you know, one of those things you just couldn't speak about. And I'm so grateful that we are at a point in history now that we can speak about it, especially with experiences around COVID and naturally around what that means for our children in the short middle and long term. Now, now here we are, of course, at the end of term one. So this, this particular discussion is not to address any typical back-to-school jitters and um, anxiety as the article that we published for you, you know, so kindly addresses. What I'm really interested to chat to you about today is the impact of COVID, um, you know, as mentioned before, what is that on their mental health in the short, middle and long term? Um, but also, what do you see as being some, you know, initially some positive takeaways for us to appreciate? So I'd love to know, like, what are your thoughts just overall? Yeah, absolutely. And I want to pick up on a point that you just mentioned before around mental health and and how far we've come as a society. And I think that the the people that are going to benefit from that the most are going to be our children, our next generation, because we as adults, we as parents, we as a community are just so much more aware and open to the benefits of really talking about mental health and um, intervening early if there are any conditions or any signs of, of people not coping, and that absolutely applies to our children, which, which actually makes me feel really excited about the future that they they could have based on the fact that we've got all this amazing information available to us. We're slowly working on reducing the stigma around mental illness and we're really trying to um, bring this, this concern, which impacts an, a lot of us, as you mentioned. Um, we're really trying to, to get on top of it and to help ultimately them to, to lead a, a better life than potentially some of our counterparts did because of all of those things that, that weren't ever spoken about. So I think for me, as as parents, as adults, as a, as a community, we have such a role to play in the lives of our children and their their mental health and a positive experience around this topic moving forward. And and COVID probably just accelerated those conversations more than we could have ever imagined. And not everything was positive from COVID at all. There were a number of challenges and and negative experiences that many of us had in, in some way, shape, or form. But I think if we can take anything from it. It's the conversation starter and the fact that, you know, we've probably all learned a lot more about this topic and a lot of skills to to move forward in a really positive way. Totally agree. You know, and it's been an incredibly challenging time emotionally for children. They've experienced stuff that we by no means um, have ever thought we would. Well, we obviously didn't experience any of this stuff in our childhood, so a lot of adults have naturally found it challenging to be able to empathize I think with a lot of what some you know children have have been going through it's also important for us I think to be mindful and just grateful how lucky we are here in Australia in comparison to other parts of the world I think that's a really important point for us to to 
to touch on, um, given that we do have an audience overseas as well, and so we are empathetic and, and our hearts go out to, to family and friends in, in the UK and in Europe and in the States and everywhere else, um, as we, you know, are constantly reminded of just the challenges that they're still sort of working through. Um, but nonetheless, for, for our Aussie sort of uh, children here, you know, the impact on our children's lives is still relative um, to their little little their little bubble, I guess. Um, and you know, by no means here in Australia, we're not um, through the woods yet. So you know, we've we've still got a lot a lot of work to be doing here. But it's really great to be to, like just discussing your thoughts on, on on what our key learnings are at the moment. So in saying that, I'd like to maybe just you know start with what the good news um, and 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 the positives um, that we can take from this experience so far on our mental health. You know, from your view, what are some of the positives that children can take away from the last 12 months? You know, starting with preschoolers, I mean, they, they <laughs> from a positive perspective, they understand how to wash their hands properly now with, with great, great <laughs> appreciation for hygiene. So for all parents, that's a, that's a big tick, which is great. Um, and many of the younger children attending childcare and long daycare really wouldn't have and wouldn't know the difference between life before and after COVID hit. But for those attending uh, kindergarten um, in that sort of that three and four-year-old sort of kindy space, I'd love to know, like, what are your thoughts on the positives this time has actually brought to their lives? Yeah, and I think, I mean, when we're talking about positives and, and negative, negative experiences around any sort of challenge or situation that we're faced, it's so individual. And I think that in, in some cases it's really quite dependent on the, the child that we're talking about, um, what one child might find really beneficial, for example, to be um, to, to have had some time away from, from school and be at home or surrounded by their family, depending on their circumstances, their home lives, um, the situation that their, their parents may, may be in and, and facing, that might have been quite a negative experience for some children. But in some ways, some children probably spent more time with their families and parents than they ever would have had before, which can actually be a really great positive experience. So I think it's um it's it's really situation dependent and and personality dependent as well. Um, I, I absolutely agree that I think our learning curve and our children's learning curve around, um, you know, keeping each other safe and well and, and the sentiment around that has definitely been something uh, that, that has never really had as much of a focus on before. And I think the thing around COVID was that um, it was something that we all, even though each state, even in Australia, to varying degrees, experienced different things, it was something that we collectively experienced together. And that that sense of togetherness and that sense of let's work to move forward as a as a society as a community even within um, classes and schools and child cares and, and kindergartens I think that um, there there definitely was a sense of togetherness throughout that that time especially throughout the most difficult times and in uh, Victoria in particular I think we're, we're definitely in Australia hit the hardest um, so I, I think there are a number of life skills that children learnt that would never have been forced upon us, I think, mm. in, in, in a, a different space or different time. And, you know, touching on your point around some of our other countries that are far, far more impacted than we have been, I think that it's probably difficult to see positives at the moment um, in, in some situations because, yeah, it has been a, a really tragic time. People have lost lost friends, lost contact with people, lost family members in, in different ways, shapes or forms. So I, I'd like to acknowledge that as well and that I hope that, um, you know, the recovery from this is is a, a positive one and that the support needed is, is accessed. Um, yes. Because I do think there, there will be long-term kind of implications of, of what we've been through um, and having that glass half full um I guess, perspective is, is really, really great. And I think that that would be helpful for a number of people, but it might feel a little bit impossible right now. Um, and getting that support to try and, and try and get that perspective might be necessary for children and adults alike. So I think that, yeah, um, yeah well, sometimes it's hard to see the positives in, in certain situations, but I feel here we're probably hopefully through the worst of it. We can, I, I agree. <laughs> And and look, yeah. and as you mentioned before, definitely for our preschoolers, you know, this time, as you mentioned before, has really enabled the ability to form even stronger bonds with parents. Um, being home in 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 uh, in lockdown, and I guess look for the many children who were 
um, kept at home and out, kept at home, I guess, with reduced access to educators. Do you, as as a general question, do you think that this time has enabled greater development of their imaginations as they've looked to find items around the home to keep their brains active and I guess the ability for the imagination and lateral thinking and all of that exciting stuff away from screens um, that we always say and know that is so important for and crucial for, for children's development. What, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I'd really like to, um, I'd really like to think that that would be something that benefited um, many children throughout this time. I think uh, at the same time, we had a lot of parents working from home and trying to manage that and may not necessarily have had the time, and I can relate to this absolutely, may not necessarily have had the time to commit to making sure their kids weren't on screens and, and were able to practice positive um, things through their probably yeah. what would have been quite, quite a boring time for them throughout that time. So, yes, I think there's definitely the opportunity for children to find uh, ways to entertain themselves throughout boredom, but I absolutely want to acknowledge the parents who were really reliant on screen time just to get through their work day, for example, um, and, and, and yeah, so it's, it's an interesting question. I think it's quite dependent on how much... Uh, parents were able to facilitate that as well, especially for younger children. I think for older children and and children who were probably more able to, um, I guess, have control over their own day, um, their age, uh, they probably had some opportunity where screen time got quite boring, and therefore they did source other activities um, to to keep them entertained and and not going you know a bit stir crazy inside. So yeah, it's a really interesting question. I'd love to see you know, some of the research that comes out based on based on lockdowns and based on this time if people are looking into yeah. that, I think it'll be Many experts do say it's very important for children to be left to be bored to exactly for this point, for them to be able to then use their imaginations and develop greater critical lateral thinking to think outside the box. And, um, you know, loose parts play is something that's very, a very big and important part for children taking things out of cupboards, which is always <laughs> not a great thing for parents necessarily, but to be able to use things around the home to yeah. be able to explore and, and expand their minds. But I'd love to to move on to you know what your thoughts are on primary schoolers you know their transition to online learning uh, meant that they really developed skills and the ability to adapt very quickly to new situations which I think is a, an important life skill which they they learnt um, uh, very very quickly but I'd love to know also following on from that I mean do you think that this time has developed uh, for our preschoolers a great appreciation for just their friends and their friendships as well? Yeah, definitely. I've heard from um, some of my um, colleagues and friends with with older uh, children at that that sort of um, primary school age that um, some really struggled with being at home and not having that social connection. And I think again, that was really dependent on um, the the nature of their child and the introverted or the extroverted naturally. But I think everyone needs connection. Children need connection, and and um, having the uh, that time away from from having that in some some states in some situations having quite a lengthy time away from that being homeschooled and then going back into it probably that adjustment felt we we had to adjust out of it and then we yeah. had, had to adjust back into it so I think yep. for children any type of adjustment any type of change to routine is is something that often is a bit of a shock to the system and seeing mm. children adapt and I really want to say that some children probably adapted almost seamlessly and some didn't and that's absolutely normal um some struggled whether it was with the transition out or the transition in or both transitions because they are transitions and they are hard for, for children and, and some adults as well find change and transitioning um you know, just a bit of a, a personal challenge so um, yeah yeah I'm sure parents had parents with multiple children probably had their own children reacting quite differently to to this time as well so I think it's also a good opportunity for parents to to get a bit of a sense of, of their child's personality and how they cope and help them with strategies moving forward based on those things as well. Yeah, um, absolutely. So, yeah, really, really interesting, um, you know, just to, to see everyone go through it quite, quite and uniquely how about, and differently. Like, your, your, um, your view on, like, a greater appreciation for their for their teachers also and just the structure 
um, having such, you know, firm structure with needing to be in school a certain time and you've got your recess, you've got your your lunch and all of those types of things, your day has mm. a strong structure to be able to move with, uh, you know, homeschooling. Um, do, you th- do you think that this time has um, helped develop a greater appreciation for their teachers um, and structure in general or not? I don't know. Yeah, no, I absolutely think it has um, and I think it's probably helped parents have a greater appreciation for teachers as well because, it's a, oh, it's a tough, absolutely. Tough gig. <laughs> um, yeah, for sure. And, you know, being that teacher and being that person that children probably spend in teacher, teachers, depending on the age, how many people that they interact with in a school or, or preschool environment, I think, you know, you're, you're a real solid person in that, that child's life. So that attachment is there and, and not having it is, is probably quite a, quite a shock initially but then having it back would be would hopefully feel really good and that's really also um dependent on on the relationship between child and teacher as well and I think that um having that face-to-face contact as we've all probably felt now transitioning to work from home in in many cases that face-to-face contact is really important and do you think the change um in their schedules and just day-to-day structure um had an effect on their mental health at all or not like what are your thoughts on that yeah, I think initially any sort of change, um, probably for some some many people, and and we probably can feel it as an, an adult as well, and and the impact of us all of a sudden having to go from being in a really busy office, having so much connection interaction every day, to going from to work from home. I think it's the same, absolutely the same for our children, regardless of how they. Um, reacted to that or externally expressed their concerns or their feelings or whether they loved it or or hated it or whatever it might be. I do think that there was always, there will always be some sort of adjustment um, because Mm. of that change. In terms of the the mental health impact, again, going and, and, and I often think, what would my daughter be feeling right now? What would I feel? Or how do I react in a situation like that? And I think it's quite the same. They're just Little or younger versions of ourselves who haven't had the opportunity to learn how to cope with challenges or learn how to um, understand what's going on and the fact that you know there is an endpoint to this and it will get better or it won't. I think their little minds are just going into overdrive at times. And and again, some kids may have just absolutely rolled with it, just like some adults rolled with it, and then some may have really struggled. So, from a mental health perspective, I I would hope that um you know, uh, their, their needs were met from a support perspective. The other thing about kids, they're really resilient as well, probably more so than what, what we are. And I think if they've got a safe place to go or a, a, a predictable person to to be that sort of uh, constant in their lives throughout yes. times like this and throughout change and transition, I think that really does support positive mental health outcomes as well. And in a, still on the topic of structure, I mean, do you think, I mean, COVID has meant for all of us, we've had so many additional rules and regulations and we've all had to colour inside the lines. Um, I mean, here in Victoria, of course, with an extended lockdown and everything that we've been through, even more so um, understanding that, you know, if you had family that lived outside of a, a five-kilometre radius, you couldn't see them, all of those yeah. things. So COVID is really... Um, brought into our lives definitely even more so in these sort of, you know, democratic sort of societies where we've been able to have, you know, the freedoms that we have to all of a sudden have these these such strong rules and regulations. Do you think that this has actually helped children to understand um, the importance of following rules and regulations more so and help them to become better behaved or not? I don't know. Like, what are your thoughts? Yeah, yeah. It's a hard one to say because I feel like in some people are naturally inclined to push against rules and regulations because it feels quite restricted. But you see that you still see people that are just <laughs> yeah. in their own way. You know, here in Victoria, we still have to wear um, masks inside supermarkets mm. and those things, and people are just so blatant about it. They just like no. So you're absolutely right. Yeah, sorry, I interrupted. Yeah. That. <laughs> no, no, that's all right. So I'm trying to think. I think depending on the age of the, the child, I feel like no matter what rule or regulation you have to put in place or you have to follow, it really does need to come with some sort of um, valid explanation and, and um, you know, understanding of how that might impose difficulties or challenges for that, that child going through those. I think as well another example of that is 
children who may have had a lot of contact with grandparents and extended family and then weren't able to see them at certain ages you can understand that and accept that but at younger ages it does feel like quite a difficult concept to grasp so I think um, explaining why those things are in place and, and talking to your children about how they feel about that and acknowledging their their emotions and their difficulties and, and trying to give them positive coping methods um, to, to get through that time and get through some of those internal conflicts that they'd probably be feeling because they don't really understand it um, would be helpful. But um, whether it makes them more compliant or less compliant, I don't I don't know. Interesting, interesting thought. Yeah. Well, and, and onto the subject of teens now as well, I mean, do you think the time out of lockdown has really helped a lot of um means like help them appreciate that just their social freedoms in general and that sort of stuff as well on the back of yeah the I think, of, like yeah what we we're just talking about yeah I think it's interesting because I think now coming out of lockdown all of a sudden we had probably a number of months where things were quite quiet you know extracurricular activities didn't occur um we couldn't really yep. go out and have barbecues with friends or go and do things and go out to people's houses and now returning to normal, especially for, for Victoria, it probably feels like all at once all of these things are back on and I have to go to swimming and then I have to go to dance and then I have to go to my friend's house and then I've got this on and that on. When we didn't have that for so long, I can imagine that it's definitely appreciated but it might also feel quite exhausting um, in that in that transition and that adjustment. And that's for parents as well that are, are running around with their kids doing these things when they probably felt like they had a little bit of a break from all those things oh, for yes. a while. And as we much as quite a few interviews and discussions um yeah. during sort of that sort of that lockdown period exactly on that topic. So yes, that's for sure. Yeah, interesting. No, so I feel like you know, teens are probably absolutely feeling grateful that they can get out and about, but they might also be feeling a little bit fatigued by by it as well and might take a bit of getting used to. And maybe some some families have gone, you know what, I like the slower pace of that life. It really brought us closer or brought us a bit of downtime and time to really look after ourselves and care for ourselves in, in a different way. And maybe that they have brought those new new ways of life into into post lockdown life. Post yeah. yeah, lockdown life, which I think is absolutely great. And and if you are kind of feeling a bit, as, as parents and as a family, if you are feeling a bit overwhelmed with everything going back to normal, stop and think, well, what, what can I start, stop? See, there are positives. Yeah, the, the, absolutely. Yeah. I would say there would be um, in that way because that downtime and that relaxation time is, is really important as well for kids yeah. and adults a lot. And and also with, with regards to teens, and I guess um, not just here in Australia, but anywhere globally, you know, has um, helped them possibly to de- like develop virtues such as self-motivation and focus and commitment and diligence. Because if you don't necessarily have a teacher, you know, sort of looking over your shoulder, sort of pushing you in, in different classes every day and all those things, um, this is really given the ability that when you are home that you do need to have this this self-motivation and an ability to have focus as opposed to sort of being all over the place. Um, do you think that that is, is a positive um, and do you think that they've had the ability to, to be able to develop this virtue or this is only for a selected few um, that, that are just naturally inclined to be sort of higher achievers? Yeah, I think that... Um it was probably almost an opportunity to determine for a lot of teens and and their parents as well around, you know, what drives them, what motivates them, whether that drive is an internal self, self-driven, um, you know, don't need that external kind of encouragement or pressure or structure. Um, and then for others it might just be, and it's absolutely fine if it is, it might be something where that guidance and, and that sort of, external support really did help with with staying focused and getting the work done so I I do really feel for some of those more senior um, year levels because I think that if there was any time to learn it probably wouldn't be in your final year at school but that's what we were that's what we dealt that's what we're given I can't imagine me as a year 12 student being in that situation because I know that that especially then it's quite different now but especially back then my my internal drives were definitely driven by the structure around me and my teachers and 
and, you know, working alongside my friends. So I can't imagine being at home and feeling as motivated or driven to achieve. Yeah. Um, so I think, yeah, it, it's a hard one. And I think some people maybe developed the skill, especially when they had the time to. In Victoria, we had such a, a long time to, to try and develop that skill and hopefully felt supported by their online learning and, and their parents and things like that. But I can absolutely also appreciate how difficult that could have been as well for, for yeah. many now, yeah. so, so we've, I guess, just discussed and shared, I guess, all of the, you know, from a positive perspective, some some key learnings um, that we've taken out of our COVID experiences so far. Um, but I'd love to be able to just, just touch on now just the cons, I guess. And initially, um, lots of questions to ask you in this perspective from a mental health um, perspective. But, you know, firstly, do you think that children find it much more difficult to express how they are feeling? Um, their parents and anyone around them? What's your thoughts? I think it really depends on the relationship that that child feels with the people around them, um, the the openness and internal openness to share those feelings. Some some people are quite closed and, and may not feel safe or comfortable to share that, and that's not necessarily just because of their external environment. That's us as people. Everyone is at slightly different levels of comfortability to share um, their you know emotional thoughts or share anything that they might feel they might be whichever that might be which is why it's really important from an external environment perspective and this is workplaces schools homes communities to talk about um, things like mental health and mental illness in a, in a way where we encourage people to to normalize it and say you know this is something that many of us may experience throughout our lives sorry my headphone just fell out um, that many of us may experience throughout our lives or know someone that does experience throughout our lives. So the more we can make it an inviting and open um, society so that people do actually feel like, hey, I need help right now, I'm really struggling sooner rather than later yeah. um, is really important. So I do think, in answer to your question, yes, some some people might have gone through the COVID struggle quite feeling quite isolated especially because they may have been quite isolated from the people and I think as children and as especially teenagers the people we um we confide in are our friends we haven't been able to see them as much or we haven't had that really intimate time with them like we would every day at school that's a that's a connection that we may not feel as the same over video call or over phone or over you know whatever chat they're using these days, which I don't want to guess because I'll probably get it wrong. Um, Facebook, that's still, that's still a thing. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I think that, um, yeah, I think absolutely probably impaired people's ability to reach out to those who who they wanted to connect to and, and express their kind of concerns and difficulties with. Um, but I think that's just more uh, enlightening for us as, as the people modelling our community and our society to, to really uh, get the word out that there is help and support out there and there's absolutely reasons to reach out to that because if it is feeling a bit dark and, and not not going so well at the moment, you can get the yeah. support to make it better. Very important. And also, I mean, what does it involve from parents and caregivers to make sure that they can identify um, signs of stress in their children? Yeah. Yeah, really good question. I think um, it involves education it involves working out as parents and caregivers what are some of the signs that might determine whether or not your your child is struggling with their mental health doesn't necessarily mean that they have a diagnosable mental illness but it might mean that they just need a bit more support to prevent them from going further down that mental health continuum Um, and a lot of that is indicated by changes in behaviour. So spending the time to be present and observe and know your children, and that's easier said than done in our busy lives, especially when we might have financial pressures based on, you know, um, COVID-related job loss and things like that. I I really want to acknowledge that all of this sounds so so simple, but I completely appreciate everyone's different situations and different circumstances. So I think the most we can do is to spend, uh, carve out a little bit of time in each day to try and have a chat to our, our children, which might be really hard because some children just don't talk, especially that those teenage teenagers that are going through their own sort of journey. But um, as parents, creating safe spaces and, and not putting too much pressure, but just being there and being present and and 
acknowledging how they may be feeling in a way that's not overly reactive so you can let them feel listened to, let them feel heard and and try as much as as parents we might feel quite um, quick to say, oh, no, don't do that or why are you doing that for or, or place judgment or and it's all purely from a place of wanting them to be safe and well but sometimes that can put them off talking to us. So I guess reserving that judgment or reserving those those initial comments and reactions to try and really understand what's going on for them and how we can possibly give them a, a safe place to continue talking to us and then work out what the best avenue of support is for them. Okay. I think as well, reaching out support for support as parents as well is really important and getting that advice because sometimes we really want to get it right but we've got so much else going on and we might be blurred by our own experiences and our own um things that are, are happening in our lives sometimes just getting that external person through a through a support line or through a, a friend or a family member or a child psychologist and a psychologist specifically for for you or a counselor kids helpline things like that i mm-hmm. think accessing all the things that we have and it's amazing because we have them now right um is really important to, mm-hmm. to make sure you're supported to be able to provide the best possible support to them yes um, and I'd love to know from your perspective, you know, what uh, or how do, sorry, the signs of stress differ uh, child to child, especially with that lens on mental health? Yeah. Um, oh, they can be, they can, they can be incredibly different depending on, on the child. And that's where I come back to, has this person or this child or this teenager changed? Are they are they more irritable? Some may some may be more irritable. Some may be more withdrawn. Some may have been getting you know quite reasonable grades, and then all of a sudden their grades are dropping off. Risk-taking behaviour or rebellious behaviour, anything like that. That a lot of the time we just pass off as that's that them being a teenager, and and we all probably went through similar stages. But sometimes it can be something going on a little bit deeper, and just need a really supportive conversation. Um, and a, and a check in around, hey, you know, what's going on here? And as parents, maybe you might want to delegate that conversation to someone at the school um, that they're at. Be really open and, and use the people and the supports around you to do that. Because sometimes they might be more inclined to open up to someone else that may not necessarily be you or a close family friend or another relative or something like that would be would be helpful. But I think in terms of differences between children, that oh, they can be very 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 different um depending on on the nature of the child and, and the personality and and yeah it's difficult to navigate parents yeah. definitely have it tough <laughs> and um I mean just talking about from the negative effects of COVID on on our preschoolers um you know so much of early education and care as we know is not about the education and the learning so much of their one twos and threes and ABCs per se it's really about forming the their social skills and the ability to connect with other children. Um, now, for for children who you know potentially missed out on this um, over the last twelve months and 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 globally as well, um, you know, how do you see this affecting their mental health, and what can parents do to help this? Um, I think that will be quite variable depending on on the child's experience throughout that time, based on you know what what were they able to do at home or did they have other other ways of connecting with children and things like that. I think something that you might see in the short term is is that readjustment back into a, a care environment and that separation from parents might be quite difficult um, for for the child to to who may have been quite used to being in that sort of um, environment all of a sudden being at home for a while and then having to go back. It takes a while for any child to adjust to that, even from day to day, um, let alone after having such a long break. So I think that might feel like a really difficult transition back for some parents and some children. It's like any any sort of start of a, a child's journey into, into care and away from parents, that separation can, can always be a bit of a, a tough one for some more for some kids than others as well and more for some parents than others. I, I you know um found it difficult to, to drop my child off when I when I first started her in care. So I think that um in terms of the the mental health impacts again I come back to the fact that our children really are they, they are really resilient and I would hope that that they had that support and that love and that safe place outside of um that 
that school environment at home to to not see too much from a detrimental perspective at that age group because I feel like if they can they can get that warmth and that support and that consistency through other channels then hopefully they would um you know whilst again in that short term it might be really quite difficult um we would really be able to support them to get through that time um at at that age and it's really yeah I would hope I would hope to see that and with with that I mean children are natural naturally inquisitive Creatures and very fast learners, as we know, over 90% of their brain forms before the age of five. And this is a really crucial part of their, their, their development when these neural pathways, oh, <laughs> neural pathways are being formed. Um, and do you think that with um, the understanding of uh, in their own in their own way of, of, of COVID and what it means, do you think that some children may have, um, as their brains are forming and um, all these neural pathways are being created, that they're likely to maybe have some phobia to germs and those type, types of things later on in life? Do you think that that's a possibility? Oh, look, I think that's a possibility for all of us as someone who um, has a bit of that, that type of phobia myself. Um, I think it's one of those things where some of those long-term responses for everyone going through such a, a difficult time, and I, again, want to acknowledge that overseas will probably feel this quite a bit harder than what we may feel that uh that effect here. But I do think that some of those residual impacts of wash your hands and don't touch that person and stay 1.5 metres away absolutely might take a bit of time of, um, to to get used to and, and hopefully not feel that anxiety around it. But I feel like, um, I mean, I've been a, a health-anxious person for a number of years and had nothing to do with COVID. So it may, it may exacerbate some things or it may cause some things that maybe wouldn't have been there in the first place. But as long as we can um, acknowledge when that's becoming something that, be impairing their um, impairing their their function or, or impacting their well being versus yeah. something that might just be a, a quirky kind of trait. That um, yeah, I think that's where we differentiate between. All right, let's get on top of this early before it does develop into something that could be quite debilitating for them <laughs> longer term. Um, but exactly. So it's just keeping an eye on that, and I'm absolutely an advocate for getting that professional support even if you're not quite sure whether it's needed, better to get it early and, and hopefully it's not needed for very long than, than watch and wait, I think, for our children. Yeah. So as well. Yeah. And moving on to our primary schoolers, naturally many children um, over the last 12 months have, have experienced great dis- disruption to their lives and plans that they had um, and lots of disappointments, things like cancellation of their birthday parties, excursions, mm. events, holidays, and all of these things as well is quite heartbreaking um, to see as well. But, you know, I'd love to know from your perspective with a mental health lens on this, you know, what affects do you think these types of events, um, if any at all, there might not be any, I, I'd love to know, um, things like social social isolation, um, what sort of effects do you think that they're having um, on the short, middle and long term with kids? And mm. or is it a case-by-case? Um, yeah, definitely I would always say you know, most, things are, most things are a case-by-case scenario. Um, but I do think that, um, that sometimes with that, that feeling of disappointment to cancel a birthday or cancel a holiday and if that has happened a number of times and, and quite unexpectedly and repetitively um, for children and for adults as well you can sometimes feel that hesitation to feel excited about anything or want to plan anything so I think that um, that's a natural reaction and response to what's happened and um, I'm hoping again kids because of their their ages and their resilience might um might actually bounce back heaps better than what um some adults would with that. I still get a little bit hesitant when I'm planning anything because things can change so quickly. Um, but I can imagine that uh, if if something does change for a child as quickly as what we've seen it change, like a birthday party or a holiday, um, just being there and acknowledging their their deep disappointment that it would feel for them, and and just be, being able to. Um, help help them through those feelings and those emotions and keep them positive for when that event can happen again um, is really important for that longer-term success of, of moving through these times. Um, so I think just in the moment uh, acknowledging any any feelings, no matter how, you know, deeply 
emotional a child may be around something that may not seem that big a deal to us as adults. It's really important to put ourselves in the, the shoes of the child in that case and, and just really validate the fact that it is absolutely disappointing and it's something that, you know, we're there for them and we'll That's help why things them. are so big for them. That's what they always say is because they've got nothing else to compare it to um, and yeah. have limited uh, life experience to, to adults. So to them, the missing out on something is huge as opposed to us when mm-hmm. we have perspective um, from that, you know. Yeah. I guess understanding that, but um, from a mental health perspective, I just yeah, um, thank you for elaborating on that. And um, and and following on from this, this is something that I've just noticed, and I'd love to just ask your your thoughts on it. But just children's ability to initiate and form robust conversations these days, you know, there and and the poten- potential lack thereof to form deep deep connections to others through this. Um, you know, do you, do you think that um, these types of things these days have an effect and impact on children's mental health at all? Um, I think it really depends on the situation that that child might be in at the time. So I really look, I try to look at it from a, a perspective of if that child's feeling safe and loved and cared for, cared for and their needs are being met, and I would hope that those mental health implications, if if any, are addressed quickly and are, are supported. Um, again, that really depends on a, a child's personality and and you know if they are feeling anxious or isolated or having difficulties to transition through some difficult times. Um, I I would hope that when we talk about mental health and the long-term implications, I don't want parents to fear that, you know, this time will impact the the life of their child or their, the mental health outcomes of their children moving forward. I think if we can just proactively um, look out for some of those changes that we talked about and and address them sooner and, and create really open relationships where children feel safe to express anything to us um, to the best of their ability, even as, as young kids who may not really understand understand it. There's, um, there are a few things I think that schools and education um, is doing a really good job of opening up children's vocabulary and opening up their um, minds to you know, expressing their feelings and the positives to this and giving them the the skills to do that. And I think as parents we can do the same. So I'm hoping with all of those things our children are going to be set up far better than what, you know, we may have been or, or um, you know, adults these days may have been back if this happened when, I agree. when we were young. Yeah, mm. I totally agree. So, so in your view, how can parents keep an eye out for any signs that their children may need some additional support then? Um, I think it's really important to um, set up family time or individual time with, with a parent and, and, and the child. Um, if you've got multiple children, that can be really hard, but trying to actually have one-on-one time with, with each of your children is really important. Getting to know them, um, getting to understand them better as time goes on, um, working out, you know, it's really hard. Sometimes say, how was your day today? Yeah, good. I was one of those kids. Yeah, good. What, what, what do you want to know? I'm too busy on MSN or whatever. <laughs> um, I think that um, trying to set up uh, really good practices as, as a family unit at home to either eat a meal together or do a puzzle together or play a game together, whatever it might be, to, to initiate those natural conversations. There are some good tools around like family talk cards and things like that where you can try and um, try and have conversations that might be facilitated by a certain um, uh, activity or something or you might have a, a ritual where you all go around and say the the uh, something negative that happened today but then follow it up with what you're grateful for that happened today, things like that um, and, and trying to set up those practices as a family. But you get it so much easier said than done when you're just trying to juggle everything and you're getting home late and you've got dinner to do and you've got um, life and you've got so much on your plate that I do think that even 15 minutes of a dedicated routine again kids we know they thrive off off routine and predictability so even if you can do that as much as possible um and and help them build those neurological pathways of, of gratitude and uh, and 
get them expressing those things can be um, really helpful Important. as parents to be able to spot if there is anything changing or if there might be anything going on that needs a bit of a bit more attention. Yes. And, you know, just um, touching on teens and, and that sort of stuff as well, we know that they've really dived deeper into the virtual world and, and building their connections in the online space even more so. But I just wanted just briefly just for you to elaborate, I just, I guess, on the lo- long-term effects of loneliness um, that potentially that teens may have experienced and um, I guess in the short, middle and long, long-term also. Mm. Yeah, loneliness is, is a hard one because I think especially for those um, teen years where you're not just getting your connections from your immediate family and your siblings and your friends and, and extended um, networks are absolutely so important and social media is such a big part of um, of life. I think that loneliness is it's quite a, a sad and debilitating feeling for, for anyone yes. and for teens it's probably something that they um may or may not be able to acknowledge as I'm lonely. Um, so I think education for parents around what is feeling lonely and how can you feel um, more a part of something, more connected to something, and I think especially with some of those extracurricular activities that stopped throughout the time um, of COVID where people felt that real belonging into a team or into a, um, an activity that they, they loved and they did, but probably not so much because of the activity but because of what it brought them surrounding it and that stopping for a while maybe did really start, start bringing up feelings of you know loneliness or loss of that particular um, joy that it, that it brought um, for, for mm. children and things specifically. So I think just education around you know what what is loneliness and how can we combat it and, and adults again I'm not just speaking for children here I'm speaking for adults too. Um, it's really important because it is it is a, a distinct feeling that's not necessarily a, a, a mental health concern or a mental health issue. It obviously, it's our mental health, but it's not a, it's not a mental illness, for example. But it's definitely something that requires um, attention because it can can negatively impact our, our mental health as well. So, mm. and social isolation and all of that would have had an impact on, on that. And it's not a nice feeling to have, and I'm sure everyone has felt lonely at some point in their lives. Um, but I think that, you know, chronic loneliness is, is something that really definitely needs needs to be attended to and, and helped. Agreed. And and just following on from that, um, as you were just mentioning parents, um, you know, we've, we've discussed all the, the positive positive and negative effects of uh, the last 12 months on children so it's really great to to finish on um on you know parents but you know what tips do you have for parents who may have um, experienced a change in their mental health over the past 12 months because naturally they are worried and concerned for their own children for their family um their extended family you know their their parents, a lot of par- uh, parents in this generation mm. are sort of sandwiched, of course, between um, aging grandparents and, you know, uh, bringing up a family family as well. So what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I think it's really important to um, be kind to yourself, be easy on yourself. You know, we talk about all these great positive parenting techniques and sometimes that can be a source of oh, should I be doing more or have I done enough? And I do think that taking that pressure off and just as long as you're feeling like um, you're you're there for your, your children if they need you and, and you may not be following the every single um, Instagram family page and to the to the absolute T, but I think that um, just be, be kind to yourself and know that you being there for your children and caring about your children is is absolutely what, they need and that they will really appreciate that and the fact that you know you are a parent means that you probably have a lot less time for yourself but try to carve out a bit of time for you and some self-care because that's only going to make you be more able to give what you need to give to your family and to your children and to your parents in situations where there is that that sandwich situation so um I I just want to say all of all of this in theory just sounds so sounds a lot easier said than done and sometimes that can create some some unnecessary pressure and I just think as long as we're all trying our best to do our best that's all we can ask from ourselves and that's all we can, can 
really give to our, our children and we've got so much out there that's available to us and and just education is so important but so is actually just taking some time out to do what you need to do to feel good and yes. to be able to yeah to be able to be there for others as well yeah but we've covered a lot today if you were to summarize I guess your key messages for anyone watching and listening what would they be I think they would be let's hope that especially here in Australia with our experiences that our children have learned some some really great skills and techniques and built some great relationships um, throughout such a difficult time um, and that whilst there might be some negative implications that have come out of COVID, getting really proactive support and not, not being afraid to do so will help with those negative implications if you are concerned about any for yourself or for your children. So I just think um, let's, let's try and stay positive and let's move forward through what has been a challenging time and, and try and see what what we want to keep from that time and what we're grateful for throughout that time, but also understand that, yeah, absolutely, it was not the most positive experience for many of us, but getting help is absolutely not something to fear. And I really encourage everyone to, to do that um, in a way that you feel comfortable with um, via the support lines that we've got access to or the channels and, and the education channels that we've got. So don't feel alone. And also, please, as parents, yourselves as well and if parents want to reach out to find uh, more information and to get more help even through Bupa as well whereabouts can they sort of find you guys and what links should they yeah yeah absolutely so um kids helpline is something that oh, yes. uh, we is, is an organization that we work really really closely with and we absolutely endorse so they've got some amazing resources and amazing um supports for children as well so you can absolutely tell your children that they can call that um, line if they want just you know someone that they don't know on the other end of the phone can sometimes be really really important and helpful for them to just be able to be themselves and say what they they want to say without feeling like they're going to um put that on someone that they know and that and they can get some really good skills and strategies through that line so I would definitely say that's um that's something that we uh definitely recommend to go to go to um for parents for for children access it via the internet and quality there so yeah we definitely have the links through to the kids helpline in the show notes Chanel thank you so much for your time today it's been a wonderful chat uh, and we'll have um, links to to Bupa and of course through to um, the kids helpline in the show notes but thanks again for your time take care and I look forward to another chat in the not too distant future in the meantime stay safe thank you so much Rachel you too take care all right bye 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 I'm Rachel Monteleone and you've been listening to Kiddypedia, the podcast. You can have full access to Kiddypedia by visiting our website at kiddypedia.com.au or following us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter and YouTube. We're all here to help make the world a better place for our children and for generations to come. You can start today by helping us reach other parents by going to Apple Podcast, subscribe, rate and review this podcast. Thank you for listening and be sure to give my love to the kids.